0: Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Wednesday, October 20th, and today I've got a real treat on the show uh, for you today. I met a new friend recently in Colorado Springs. Sean Morris is on the show with me today. He's a native Australian, and we're going to be talking a lot about the the fight for freedom in Australia and why the family is at the center of what's happening in the culture. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. I'm Heidi St. John. You probably know my name because I've been working hard for the people of Washington State for the past 17 years. Now I'm running for Congress in Washington's 3rd Congressional District, and I need your help. I'm running against several big-money Republican opponents in the primary, and I am determined to prove that a grassroots campaign financed by working men and women can still compete with super PACs and mega-donors. To make a difference, please visit Heidi St. John for So, thanks for tuning in today, everybody. I'm so glad that you guys have joined me today. Uh, I'm actually on my way today to speak for Jason and David Benham at the Awaken Moms Conference in North Carolina. I will be there this Friday. And so, I want you guys to check that out. I'm going to link back to it in the show notes today. This is going to be uh, a power punching uh, day that we're going to spend really trying to wake up the mama bear. So lots of wonderful women coming in to talk to you about family and why it's so important that we get off the bench and onto the battlefield, there really is no time to lose. So I want to just encourage you to check that out. If you're anywhere near Charlotte, North Carolina, you are not going to want to miss. Tickets are only 10 bucks, you guys. So 10 bucks. I think that there are eight people speaking at this event, including uh, Jason and David Benham and their wives. You guys are going to be really blessed. That's this Friday, the 22nd in Charlotte, North Carolina. I will link back to that. In the show notes today. Without further ado, I want to take a moment and introduce uh, Sean Morris to you. I met Sean a couple of weeks ago. We were both at CNP in uh, in Colorado Springs. This guy loves the Lord, and that is the first thing I noticed about him. He's passionate. Uh, about the kingdom, he and his wife Trudy have been married for 34 years. They've got three great kids. Uh, this guy does everything. He's been in ministry for 35 years. He's won uh, national industry awards in business. He's a kingdom entrepreneur, or as what we like to say, it's the business tree. <laughs> so uh, this guy has been uh, owning three businesses, owning businesses and over in three nations. Oh my goodness! Uh, he's a pastor, a church planter, a missionary and a native Australian. And I asked him to come on the show and talk to me specifically about what's happening in Australia. There's so many things that we can talk about. And Sean's going to come back and we're going to keep kibitzing. But uh, you guys are going to be so, so blessed. Sean, my friend, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Heidi. It's great to be with you and with all your listeners. And uh, yeah, joy and a privilege to be here.
0: So you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your passion, what drives you. I know that for the for the the little bit of time that we were introduced to each other uh, at CNP in Colorado Springs, I was just blown away by your passion for people and, and God loves people and we're in trouble right now. I mean, you guys are definitely in trouble in Australia. We'll get to that in just a moment, but uh, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and uh, you're not living in Australia anymore, right? You're here in the U.S.
1: No, we're, we're here in the US. Um, I still have two of my daughters living in Australia. And uh, actually, to rephrase what you said, native Australian, It's uh, we are Australians uh, by citizenship. But both my wife and I were actually originally born in South Africa. And uh, she was born to a Dutch uh, family, Dutch uh, Afrikaans family. And I was born to a, a very English colonial family, actually, uh, large landowners. And that's a story for another time. And uh, and then spent uh, a number of years, actually more than a decade in Europe, planting pioneering churches and Bible schools. And uh, uh, initially based out of Austria, but expanded across that whole region and doing s- uh, significant ministry in the UK. Um, and then actually moved to... Australia via New Zealand we had a short little uh, stint in New Zealand where our miracle son was born both my wife and I uh, had some significant complications well technically medically I'm actually sterile and shouldn't have been able to father any children wow and yeah yeah so uh, but we had a prophetic word a few weeks before we got married and 17 years later, uh, about a lively son, and 17 years later, that lively son was born, which was Jaden. But in the process leading up to that, we adopted two amazing, amazing girls. they siblings, uh, biological sisters, uh, and we had each one from birth. And it, it's also just quite a profound story and how we were able to actually even bring them back into Austria at the time, uh, as international adoptions in a miraculous way. And the only way we could bring them back was the Austrian government. Uh, we found tremendous favor with them, and they actually provided diplomatic visas to allow us to bring those two girls back into, into Austria. And, uh, yeah, so so our passion, as you said, is people. And I think at the core of that is obviously to see broken, destroyed lives, um, you know, restored and then out of that restoration to actually see family restored and then family to become truly not just merely generational but intergenerational, uh, you know, really from a perspective of a biblical term which sadly has been lost and is used in a negative context, but the actual word is really to see dynastic or uh, or family dynasties rebuilt. Um, carrying the kingdom, seeing the maturation of the generations and seeing the influence of the kingdom in partnership with the churches, with the spiritual community, bringing forth the kingdom of God into every sphere of society. So that's really at the core of my passion. And I believe that I call that the long game. And I believe that we really do with the long game have the opportunity and the possibility of not only changing the narrative, but controlling the narrative and ultimately seeing his kingdom come and his will being done in every sphere of society.
0: Wow. And it's never been more important. You know, I keep saying this at the show, never been more important. I think I say that almost every, every show now, it's never been more important than it is right now. Fight for freedom, never been more important. This getting back to God's design for families, never been more important because we're in, we're under attack, uh, And this is a full, this is, you know, full court press now by the enemy who's not holding back, not hiding. Uh, I want to get to your book in just a minute. You have a new book coming out. uh, And for people who are taking notes, what's the name of your book and when is it coming out?
1: Well, we haven't finalized the title yet because it's actually, where, you know, we're working with the publishers right now and the book is scheduled to come out in March. And uh, probably in one of the following podcasts, I'll let you know where the landing page is going to be, etc. But the essence of the title is Growing Dominion Through Dynasty, Why Your Family is Crucial to the Kingdom and when we understand that we understand why the family is so under attack it's not just merely the enemy wanting to destroy the the idea of the nuclear family and its role in stability to society but it's actually beyond that he's really after the dominion he's really wanting to destroy the the believers the church's capacity to actually bring forth the governance of God in some form, actually really in the form of the kingdom into every sphere and influence of society. I truly, truly believe that. And so it's become outright war. Um, in one sense, it's incredibly challenging. But in the other senses is it's now so evident that it's very easy to, uh, for us to, I think it's going to be a lot easier to rally the troops, so to speak. Um, and to see a level of engagement that I think possibly the last three decades have lacked, uh, certainly within the context of the West, I think there was a, a almost a, almost a degree of of passivity and mediocrity that had crept into, and that 's certainly Australia's story. Uh, you know, I had I had engagement with Australia already in the mid 70s. Um, it's interesting that I later then moved there and then became an Australian citizen and spent a significant portion of our. Uh, leadership, ministry, and business lives actually in Australia, and God truly blessed us. The churches and ministries we had the privilege of planting have all flourished and grown. The businesses have grown exponentially. Um, so God really graced us in a profound way in that season. And then also we got quite involved in the political arena, really out of out of out of a out of a desire to see His kingdom influencing that sphere. Um, and, uh, and you know, we were always praying and, Crying out to God that He would raise up, and you know the proverbial saying: Well, if you prayed for it, why don't you actually now live out what you prayed for?
0: Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. And, what what would happen if people actually did that? <laughs>
1: yeah. so, so, you know, I, I felt a few well-meaning brethren, a few well-meaning brothers and sisters, saying to us, "Well, you know, if you feel so passionate about, it, why don't you just do it?" And and in, in fact, my wife really picked up the mantle in a big way, and uh, she became a uh, uh, you know, state secretary for one of the minor parties and ended up actually um, uh, being asked to run for a Senate seat, which she came very close to getting at a federal level, uh, which was a, which was unexpected. It was just, uh, I think people just engaged with her and her message, even though she was running for a Senate seat that had always been a um, a left stronghold, you know, sort of mm. a progressive liberal left stronghold. And I think that kind of shook things up a little. Um, But she knew it wasn't her time. She knew it wasn't her calling at that time to step into that space. And we both knew that, you know. And so it was kind of interesting that on the one side, there was this incredible windfall happening. And as the election, as the votes were being counted, it was becoming closer and closer and closer until it really became extremely close, so much so that there were a number of people that, you know, Try to motivate us to do recalls and recounts and all the rest, but we just had no 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 um clarity from God and no confirmation from him to actually proceed that way and uh um, you know and yes, and it was the right decision because she would have been locked into the Senate for six years, and a lot of things that the Lord still had us have to do and need to do, would never have been realized, um, you know, during that period of time. So, and and our kids were still very young. And one thing about Trudy is, uh, you know, she truly believes that true discipleship is actually at home, is the yes. home. There is no better discipleship. And you know, obviously, collectively, as husband and wife, as father and mother, as you know, patriarch, matriarch, we we, we have that impact and influence, but certainly within that season of their lives and the ages, the the mothering and the matriarchal influence was absolutely critical, and it doesn't matter what supposed outside success might be there, that is our greatest success. The greatest success is measured in our children and in our generations. And uh, and so Trudy made that decision that in this season, she's at home, you know, as as much as is possible.
0: And I think, you know, for for now, I mean, in the culture right now, this is the attack on motherhood, right? That yeah. we have reduced it to a little more than a high, you know, stopover on the highway of life. You know, I guess you'll wow. have to put your yeah. life on hold for a little while so you can raise these kids and yeah. get, you know, then you'll get to be doing the more important thing, you know, whether it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, your career or whatever. And I keep telling people, your children are the more important thing. They are. Nothing Absolutely. is more important.
1: Yeah. And especially when you understand that dominion is actually grown through dynasty. Then it just transcends. I mean, now it becomes beyond just merely important. This is actually the defining uh, significance of us being able to see his kingdom come because it's it 's not going to happen in one generation, you know, regardless of our eschatology, we know Jesus is returning, and yes, he can return tonight, but if he does he 's going to found, find me faithful he 's going to find me occupying yeah. he 's going come to on. find me, but if he 's not coming and if he doesn 't come in the next hundred years, what does the nation of the USA look like? Mm-hmm. What is the nation of australia? and That was really our message, so we began to engage both the the church. We call it the three c's, both the civic leadership, the commercial leadership, and the community leadership within, which includes the church. We begin to engage the three c s intentionally with a message of coming back to understanding why your family is crucial to the kingdom and uh, and that it's and that your capacity to bring influence and to exercise dominion therefore really manifest the authority that God has given us is going to be built around the fact that we have intentionally begun to shape our families uh, to become dynastic and collectively together as families that grow into households uh, in in becoming one within the context of the family of God um, as communities, as spiritual communities, as churches, we begin to see a clout, a capacity for for bringing forth that governance that is i think yet to be seen in the earth
0: i love it and and truly uh this is where we we've lost ground I mean, all around yeah. the, you know in the christian community all around the country all around the world because we have not looked at god's heart for families i remember years right. ago i want to say it was 17 years ago uh when i first did a radio show with uh, my friend dr dobson and i had written mm-hmm. a, a book on marriage and i was there to talk to him about it and he's, he leaned across his desk and he said to my husband and myself, he said, if the Lord continues to bless your efforts uh, toward the kingdom, he said, focus your effort on the family because it's the family that's under attack right now. It's marriages that are under attack. Yeah. And this was, you know, almost 20 years ago. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, Sean, you probably didn't. But just a couple of days ago, Dr. Dobson uh, actually endorsed my run for Congress, which was really uh, a privilege and an honor for me. No,
1: I, I, I'm surprised I missed that because I'm following you. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong
0: with you, Sean? Come on!
1: I'm so sorry. I'll be honest. I've just come back from Cincinnati and from from uh, from a few meetings in Ohio, and I have to admit that it was extremely busy. But uh, I must have wow. I mean, that is wow. That's an endorsement. I mean, that is so exciting. Heidi yeah. congratulations and of course when I shared with my wife about you and you know with, uh, and told Trudy a little bit about you of course they, as I said I mean that was her world for a number of years so mm. she's uh, she's very excited and uh and you're in our prayers and uh we're championing you, and if we were American citizens, you would have our vote. That's for sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> if thank we you.
0: In, <laughs> if you're in my district, I have to. I have to yeah, get correct. you out here. I have to get you out here to Washington State, and then we have to get you an American to be an American. Well, we'll work on that. Sounds like we have lots yeah. of work to do. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So I, and and, I want, and we, Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, carry on. Yes. Oh
0: this is so much fun. I can tell we're going to continue have fun. So I want to. I want to take. I want to talk about Australia for a little bit yeah. because. Uh, what is happening in Australia and New Zealand uh is heartbreaking from my perspective as a, as a freedom loving American. And really, I mean, tell me if you think I'm overstating it to me, what we're seeing is really Australia falling to totalitarianism now, right? They're, they're ripping people, you know, children out of the arms of their parents. They're not letting Australians come out of their homes at night. And I'm wondering Uh, for people who are listening, because I've been kind of, and we're going to pick this up uh, a little bit tomorrow and at the podcast, and we'll continue this conversation. Yeah. But I want to, I want listeners to kind of understand before we dig into the nitty gritty of Australia and how we can be praying for them, because you still have children there, correct?
1: Correct. Our two two eldest, our two daughters, they're still back in Australia. So this is a big, this is a big deal. It's huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. So so uh, take us back. And again, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to split this this uh, this interview into another episode. So we'll probably get into the nitty gritty of this tomorrow for listeners. They're going to be like, wait, you just stopped at the most important part. <laughs> um, but t- tell us a little bit of the history of Australia um, so that we can kind of understand yeah. how they got from point A to point B. I
1: think, you know, it's it's I mean, as much as I, I actually am, I love history and and I kind of re- frame it as his Story with humanity and i 've always been a very very avid reader and study of history um, both uh, both world history as well as church history, and of course, arriving in Australia in uh, in two thousand um, and five and i 'd had a lot to do with Australia, interesting enough, my big geography assignment for my final year of high school uh, already back in one thousand nine hundred and eighty two um, I felt very, very strongly that God laid in my heart to actually do it on Australia. Uh, Mm. Plus, I did an additional population geography survey and study and a thesis on Australia back in already, 19. that was in 1980. So in 1980, 1981, 1982, probably because... Some of our closest family friends were Australians back in South Africa, and they were there as scientists and, and researchers in specific fields of agriculture. We we had uh, wine farms and vineyards, and so that was our connection. Uh, and then I became a very avid surfer and windsurfer, and of course I began to compete with a lot of Australians um, in that space from a from a from a professional athlete perspective. And they become some some of my best friends because they were, you know, this this. This, in one sense, almost kind of a people, but yet bold, courageous, uh, nothing was too hard. Uh, you know, if we have a piece of wire and a screwdriver, we'll get any any car, any vehicle going again. Hey, yeah, that's a Crocodile experiment- Dundee. Correct. I mean, that was literally, (laughs) and I experienced that. I mean, we went on surf trips up the West coast of Africa and up the East coast of Africa. And I had, I had Australians joining me and it was like, Hey, if we just break down, you know, we're going to, she'll be right, mate. She'll be sweet. We'll, we'll we'll get, we'll get the sorted and we're going to go on. So, you know, now jump from That period of time, sort of, uh, you know, 1976 was really my first engagement with Australians through to the end of my, uh, you know, active surfing, competitive surfing world, sort of 1984, maybe through as late as 1986, Um, and then to jump. You know, 20 years later, so I'm off to Europe. Um, I'm here in the U.S. At that time, I was doing quite a lot in US. here in the U.S. teaching, preaching, uh, mission work, et cetera, Canada, uh, back to Europe. Um, and then I end up in Aust- Australia in 2005. And I walk into a nation, and it was a culture shock uh, to a degree. It was, it was, this is not the Australia that I knew. This is not the Australian spirit that I knew. And I know Mm -hmm. that's a generalization. Um, And I did. I began to have a a really deep... Reflection, praying about it. I knew God had clearly said to us that we are to become Australian citizens. It's another story. I joke with all the Aussies. I say, you know, they, and Aussie is kind of a you know vernacular term for us. Um, and uh, and they would often say that uh, you know you know well I'm 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 born here. I'm a true blue Aussie. And I used to say to them, well, you, you have no choice in being born an Australian. I made a decision to become an Australian. So who's more true blue than you? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that actually won tremendous favor, um, both in the business arena and the political arena. God really did grace us to allow us to connect relationally to the highest levels. Um, we we began to ran, run one of the things I, I'm actually now birthing here in the U.S. as well is is a peer leadership mentoring uh, work that we actually have and how to actually equip, support, and strengthen really what we term the ecclesia, in inverted commas, um, sort of that, uh, that, you know, really help unlock believers within their callings, within their sphere of influence. And we saw a tremendous, tremendous failure in that space within Australia, both at the highest levels of business and at the highest level of politics. Um, but but you had seen
0: this change. You had seen yes. this massive change from uh, 1984 to 2005, and, it, and it, it seemed, was it alarming to you?
1: It was. It was alarming. The way I framed it at the time, and a lot of the sort of go-getter older generation actually frame it themselves that way, is is that Australia had, in a way, become a nanny state. They had, for whatever particular reason, um, succumbed slowly over time, uh, bought into the idea that government knows best. And so slowly, incrementally, I mean, this is what is so... Astounding when I began to really look at the history and really, and, and it varies from state to state. I must also say that a Queensland, Northern Territory is still probably the most freeing and most freedom oriented states, uh, you know, of Australia. Um, and then You have to the other extreme, you've got probably Victoria and to a degree uh, the Australian Capital Territory, which is the ACT, which is Canberra, which is also where Parliament is. Um, Those are probably the two most compliant. uh, Oh, Victoria
0: is frightening. I mean, yeah, everything Victor- I see on the news. And that's I'm where we like, were living. Wow.
1: We, yeah, we lived in Victoria. Victoria is by far the worst. And I I actually researched over the weekend, really pulled up some of the latest statistics. Um, uh, Josh Frydenberg, the treasurer, also wrote a very, very powerful opinion piece um, on the, in the Sunday papers as well, addressing in particular Victoria, but even addressing the fact that uh, we have actually allowed ourselves to succumb out of a spirit of fear. Um we've almost lost our Australian way. And I found it really interesting that he's part of the present cabinet and part of the present government, and that he's actually been bold enough to come out with that. Now, what was really interesting is on Monday, it created quite a ripple effect through the country. And there were premiers coming out, which is the equivalent of a state governor uh, coming out and... And of course, criticizing, and in particular, of course, the Victorian Premier, because he addressed that, he addressed the Victorian situation really strongly. But in some ways, I almost felt like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the pot calling the kettle black. You know, it's kind of like, um, Hey, you know, um, who, who are you really to speak? And, uh, and then the same situation in New Zealand. I mean, we actually have businesses in New Zealand and Australia. Um, uh, we've lost businesses. We've had to close businesses in the last 12 well, months. Well, I read that their
0: um, your employment is down 138,000 Actually, uh, because just, of the lockdowns. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, actually the actual statistics are the following that, uh, um, Victoria, in this second phase of lockdown, that was by Sunday, it, is into, it was into its 73rd day of what was meant to be a sharp seven-day lockdown. And that mm. was the 73rd day with curfews. Okay, stage four lockdown. In total, it now takes the Victorian lockdown of last year and this year to close on or around 300 days in total. Um, oh. Children in Victoria have not... Been able to go to school for 220 days. That is more than a complete school year. So no sport, absolutely no sport. No, I mean, homeschooling, you know, and we all know the situation. Right now at present, 700,000 Victorians are on support welfare from the federal government. And that's what 000. they
0: want i I just believe that's what the government I wants. mean
1: it is crazy, and then just in the month of September alone, one hundred and sixty three thousand Victorians lost their jobs permanently i mean oh. I mean, the statistics are it's it's almost you can't it, it's heartbreaking and it's mind-boggling you would you could i would never have imagined that there would be a day like this in any western society let alone my you know really it's become our homeland to a large degree uh, my kids have grown up there it's for them australia's home i mean australia's home you know and to see even my my oldest daughter, that that tended to sort of be probably a little more progressive, even though you know she's she has a strong core conservative sort of biblical worldview. You know, she kind of. You know, in the influence of the culture and to see her even now say, do not even talk to me about a progressive leftist and none of her friends and some of her friends were really outspoken progressive leftists. And to see that flip happen in them is just evidence of how they now are viewing the very ideology that they thought was progressive. And it really is. It's a dictatorial totalitarian regime that uh, that is 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 governing. To the extreme people's personal lives and freedoms. I mean, it's it's a shocker. And but what is very interesting is in my research, I got connected with a professor of sociology from the university, um, uh, from Monash University, Professor Doctor David Clark, and he had just with a team of a number of different universities had done a study on what he called the new Australian psyche. And he said the alarming results were that over a slow, incremental influence and strategy of the left, he said it was almost as if that, element of choleric and combination of sanguine choleric and I can do it all and we can, you know, nothing's too hard and she'll be right, mate, and she'll be sweet, we'll, you know, kind of the the crocodile Dundee or uh, the Steve Irwin spirit, you know, uh, over a 20 to 30-year period, they had seen the percentages of the overall psychological makeup from a personality perspective is how they defined it had led to and their findings found that in about 2000 i think the study that he gave me was a 2000 finalized in 2015 or 2016 and they estimated that around between 72 and 75% of the australians had become largely phlegmatic in their personality it's almost as if the country had gone through a personality change
0: Hey, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. If you want more information about my guest, I'm going to encourage you to check out his website, seanmorris.live. This guy has a real heart for reaching people with the gospel, but he's also bravely telling the truth about why we need to be involved in politics, why it's so important for Christians to step into every sphere of influence. When we step out of these spheres of influence, evil will always fill the vacuum. And uh, tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to hit this topic even harder harder. We're going to talk about what it looks like to become a slave in increments. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about Australia, what's happening there and what the correlation is to the second amendment. Thanks for listening today, everybody. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.